Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Last year, we, we preached going into 2019 about the manna stopping. And we looked at the Old Testament with the Israelites going into the promised land. And, and God provided for them. Every day, he would provide for them and meet their needs daily so that they could eat and be fed and be nourished. And then one day, the manna stopped. You remember this story? And what happened when the manna stopped? God started doing some big things. That's when God said, we're going to take this city called Jericho and I'm going to make the walls come tumbling down. I'm going to lead you on a conquest of this land that I'm giving you that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, I've, like I said, I've seen God provide for us in miraculous ways. But, but what I'm getting at is just because we've reached some goals and we've seen God do some miracles, I don't think that it's time to, to just lay down and hope that God continues to do whatever it is that God wants to do. Because not only did God do miracles for the children of Israel as they took the land he gave them, guess what? They had to work for it. They had to fight for it. They had to put a little effort into it. And I think if anything, right now is probably the time to really dig our heels in and, and, and get to work and, and honestly to take back from the devil what he's taken from our community for too long. So, what do you think? We've met all our goals. Where do we go? What is it that God would have us do right now? I can tell you it's very clear. And Jesus made it pretty clear to us. Tom asked me what we're going to preach about this morning. I said, that's that passage in Matthew, man, everybody's talking about. What's it called? The Great Commission? We're going to talk about the Great Commission for 2020. If you don't know what it is, it's what we're supposed to do. It's our marching order that Jesus gave to us as he left this earth. And the bad thing about this, the sad thing to me, is according to Barner Research, 51% of churchgoers do not know what the Great Commission is. They say, 51% say they've never heard of the Great Commission. Another 25% say, you know, yeah, I've heard about it, but I don't know what it means. Heard the preacher mention it a time or two. 6% float around out there. They don't really know either way, which leaves 25%. One out of four people that go to church know what the Great Commission is and know what it means. One out of four. So, if you've been here any amount of time, Lord knows you've heard it from me and from Brian. But if you missed that, we're going to hit it again this morning. Matthew 28 18 through 20, the Great Commission. This is worth memorizing. It says, Jesus came near and said to them, them being the disciples, 
He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, well, we should get excited about this part. We just read over it. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this morning, we're going to focus in on verse 19. The go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. What I want you to see is in the original Greek language that Matthew was written in, it reads just a little bit differently. If you were to translate it literally, it might say something like, as you go or as you're going, disciple the nations. Disciple all nations. And so the overarching command is not to go, it's not to teach, not to baptize or remember, it's to disciple. It's a, disciple is a verb. It just sounds weird in English though, doesn't it? But our command is to make disciples as we go. Make disciples. Teach them and baptize them. So the question first is what's a disciple? <laughs> what is this person that we're supposed to make? Maybe a better question is, what's the person that I'm supposed to be in order to make? Well, when you hear the word disciple, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The 12 disciples. Well, what, what were they? The literal translation will be they're a student or a learner, a pupil. They follow and they learn. They're like a student of the master. Jesus called these 12 to come and to follow him, to learn from him. And it was an honor for these guys to be able to do that. And they followed and they learned from Jesus by watching what he did, by actually hearing his words taught for about three years, three and a half years. And along the way, Jesus, if you read the Gospels, he gives them opportunities to do some things themselves. Did they always get it right? No. Sometimes he let them fail in order to teach them a valuable lesson. But they learned straight from Jesus. And not only did they learn, think about this, they learned a lot. You have to if you listen to Jesus very long. But not only did they learn, their lives were transformed through this process. Think about it. They went from, from fishermen and tax collectors and a bunch of knuckleheads to the point that they were willing to live and die for their faith in Jesus Christ. So they learned from the teacher, and eventually they themselves became the teachers. They became the church. In other words, the disciples became Disciple makers. I've asked this question with a few different groups, and we've worked through it over the past couple of years. I've asked, you know, what's a disciple? In today's terms, what does this mean? And after talking to different groups, here's what we come up with. See what you think about this. A disciple is an obedient follower of Jesus Christ who makes other disciples. It's not really rocket science. 
but an obedient follower of Jesus Christ who makes other disciples. I want to walk you through this because each word in here is important. First of all, you're obedient. The Great Commission tells us what? To teach people. You can't be obedient if you're ignorant. That's worth remembering. You can't be obedient if you're ignorant. I don't mean dumb. I mean you're ignorant to what the Bible teaches you and what Jesus commands you. We have to teach people what the Bible says, what Christ has commanded us, to love one another, to love God with all your heart, soul, body, and mind. And, and everything the Bible teaches us. Obedience not only means that, but it means you're committed. Gosh, we have such a problem with commitment these days. If you're obedient, you're committed. Like we've talked about in weeks prior, there is no half-heartedness in Christianity. You're either all in or you're all out. And if you're all in and you're obedient and you're willing to follow Jesus wherever he takes you, that means you're a follower. You've got to be a follower before you become a leader. And the Great Commission tells us to go and to baptize people. And that's one of my favorite things to do is to baptize people. But when we do that, think about what that's saying. It's saying that I am submitting my life, my will over to Jesus Christ, to his lordship, to his kingship. And in obedience, I'm willing to follow him for the rest of my life and prayerfully grow closer to him until the day he calls me home or comes back. But here's the thing. If that's all you do, and this is where we miss the mark, if that's all you do, you cannot call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ. You may be a really good person. You may be a really good Christian, a really good faithful church member, but you are not a disciple unless you become a disciple maker. Disciples make other disciples. The, lead, the follower becomes the leader who creates other followers who become other leaders. The student becomes the teacher. The one that is reached through missions becomes a missionary and reaches other people. That's why this process keeps going on and the church has survived for 2,000 years. So how do we do it? How do we make disciples? Well, 2020 is going to be a disciple-making journey for RBC. And I'm excited about it because the first place it starts, boy, I left my prop somewhere. Oh, anyway, the first place it starts is to get into God's Word. It starts there. We get, there it is. Thanks, man. I knew we hired you for a reason. We've got the best associate pastor in the world, even though he tried to kill me yesterday. He said, hey, 9 o'clock at night, hey, you want to go for a three-mile run in the morning? I'm like, yeah, three miles, that ain't nothing. Five miles and 800 feet into the mountains, I'm about to die. <laughs> it's all right, I still love you. <laughs> He's not very good with directions, by the way. <laughs> But our discipleship journey starts deep in God's Word. And we got a tool that I'm going to give to everybody before they leave on your way out this morning. It's a reading plan that takes us through the entire year of 2020. And our church is going to be going through the Bible together this year. 
Because I don't know about you, but I believe that the Word of God changes people. I believe that once it gets into your mind and into your heart, that it transforms your life. And we are literally going to be across the church on the same page when it comes to the Bible. And it starts this week, and you'll see, and you, you've got five days out of the week to read. And if you're not good with math, that gives you two days that you can make up if you, if you miss a day. Five days to read. And the way this is going to work is next week we're going to kick it off, and I'm going to be preaching a passage probably from Genesis chapter 1, which is one of your passages to read this week. You come back Sunday night, you're going to have a discussion out of one of those passages. Wednesday night, if you come, we're going to have a discussion out of one of those passages. You're going to be reading these passages every day, right? Okay. And then in your D groups, guess what you're going to be going over? What God has shown you through his word in these passages. And the idea is for all of us to get so deep into God's word that it not only transforms us personally, but it transforms our church and our community as we return to God's word. Now, I want to hit those groups real quick because there's been a lot of questions and people uh, don't really understand what it is. But when I talk about, and Brian talks about, and others talk about the D group, this group is going to be the disciple-making pathway for Rockhouse Baptist Church. Everything else is going to stay in place. We're still going to have Sunday school and all that stuff, but we want everybody to participate in one of these groups. And here's where it comes from. Guess who came up with this idea? Jesus! We're modeling what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I think if something's good enough for our Lord, it should be good enough for us. Because think about how he did things. He ministered sometimes to the crowds. He fed them, and he taught them something about the Bible, about the Lord. Then he ministered most of the time to the twelve. Well, the crowd, guess what? This will be a crowd. There's quite a few of us here this morning. The twelve, which Jesus spent most of his time with, would be kind of like our Sunday night, our Wednesday night, our Sunday schools, our uh, CR groups, the smaller group of 12 to 20 people where you can come together, pray together, grow together. But then there's one missing element in most churches that we're trying to bring on board, and that's when Jesus ministered to the three or the four. When he brought along Peter and James and Paul most of the time, and he really he showed them things that he couldn't show everybody else, and he taught them things that everybody else couldn't learn at that time. And that is the D group. It's that group of three to five men or women, not in the same group, but getting into the Word, praying together, encouraging each other. Guess what? Memorizing the Bible together. You can do that. And being there for each other over the course of a year, year and a half. And here's, here's the thing. I promise you, if you do this, if you will commit, like we said, your spiritual life will grow more through this than it has through any other thing in your life. I can just about guarantee it. So why do we do it? Well, 
because we've got to make disciples. We can do a lot of really cool things as a church. We can have New Year's Eve parties, and I think that's a great idea. But if we're not making disciples, guess what? We failed. My military mind thinks we have failed our mission. We have failed the great commission set forth by Jesus Christ if we fail to make disciples. As we go through life, we should always ask these questions. Who am I discipling? Or who is my Timothy in the faith? But also, who is discipling me? Guess what? I still need some discipling. Tom, I need some discipling. Who's my Paul? He's right there. Am I discipling my children? Am I leading and discipling my wife? Am I leading people in my life closer to Jesus or steering them away from him? So I'm excited about the coming year. I'm excited to see what God does when his people are faithful to his word and his commands. Are you ready to dive deeper into the word? Ready to make disciples? All three of you are excited. <laughs> are you ready? Okay. All right. We got, we got, there we go. Let, let us pray together. Let's stand to our feet and pray together. Lord, this morning, I, I just, there's so much, God, that we can be thankful for. God, have we seen you provide for us time and time again, God, not only in our church, but God, in these families, in our lives. But God, the greatest thing that we have to be thankful for this morning is Jesus Christ. Lord, we have celebrated his birth this past week. Lord, that you sent him for us to die on the cross for our sins. God, that no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we've messed up, you sent Jesus to die for us so we could have forgiveness and a chance at everlasting life. Father, I, I don't know if there's someone here this morning that maybe they're lost. God, maybe there's someone here that they don't need discipleship. God, they need a relationship with Jesus. And God, I just pray that your spirit right now will begin to prick their heart God, begin to draw them to you. Let them know that you love them. You're not out to condemn them. You're, you don't want to send anyone to hell, God. You want to save their soul today. And God, as we move into 2020, God, I pray that you would bless us as we are faithful to your word. And God, I pray that it would go out into our lives and into our families and it would begin to change us radically. God, just as you transformed those 12 men, they were the first disciples. I pray you change us. God, make us unashamed of your name, unashamed of your gospel. And God, I just pray that you would continue to lead us as you have over the past four and a half years. God, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.